Sorry about that. Good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the People's Patriot Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. This program is meant to present nutritional information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I'm not a doctor, and that's a good thing. In my opinion, doctors most people go to see when they have a health issue, MDs, are wrapped around the axles of their training. Unfortunately, their training is in drugs and surgery, and it doesn't equip them to treat the over 900 chronic health issues that are proven to be a result of a nutritional deficiency. I'm simply someone who's been studying under the tutelage of one of, if not the top nutritional authorities in the world, Dr. Joel Wallach. I don't treat diseases. I don't even treat people. I simply advise people how to give their bodies the raw materials they need to support and maintain good health. And when the body has what it needs, it'll fix itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing it's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do it yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. And there's all kinds of information there. All the product lines we talk about are there, the longevity nutritional supplements, the CTFO CBD oils, the Stem Enhanced Ultra by Cerule, the X39 patch by LifeWave, the pulsed electromagnetic therapy unit that you can find under the circulation section of the Trinity of Health tab, and the uh, coffee I drink, Gano Excel, and last but not least, the newest addition to the lineup, the Healy. And uh, I mentioned yesterday we we're going to talk about it and somehow ran out of time. If I get a chance, I'll talk about it today. Uh, we'll see. But at the very least, you can find it on the main page of the website. It's below the um, COVID stuff just before you get to the CTFO stuff. And you'll see a picture. There's a picture of an iPhone and a little Healy unit. Uh, and it's very small, very wearable. Uh, just clips to your shirt. And I'll tell you what, it does some really cool stuff. My sleep hasn't been so good in ages and uh, going up and down stairs, bones, joints, all that kind of stuff, skin, everything is getting better uh, just from using this little microcurrent device that is literally, for lack of a better term, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I encourage you to check it out, and um, hopefully we'll be doing more and more shows on it. It's just that the COVID crap is, you know, unfortunately so big every single day. But uh, anyway, it's there. Now, if you have any questions about any of this stuff, you can hit the Contact Me button and uh, send me an email or call and leave a message. We'll get back with you as soon as possible. And um, also, uh, you hit the Radio Shows tab, and at the top of the page, you'll see a link to our archive page set up through castbox.fm. And at uh, a little farther down, you'll see the information on all the shows we do, when they're on, how you listen. And then at the bottom of the page, you'll see the link to our Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the chat room. And that is active only during this show, Monday through Thursday, from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Friday is always a replay, and uh, the other shows that we do uh, Thursday morning, uh, they have their own chat room, so we use that one. So uh, don't make that mistake. I've had some people trying to use this chat room for the other show. It just doesn't work. I'm not watching it. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, the number to call into the show is 614-426-8787. 614-426-8787. One last time, 614-426-8787. And if you're on Skype, you can send a contact request to Sarge45ACP. That's S-A-R-G-E. The number is 45. The letters A-C-P as in Paul. Mention you're a listener. We'll get you approved. And from that point on, you can call into the show via Skype in excellent audio quality. 
Keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on the show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the People's Patriot Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say on the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only so that as a responsible adult, uh, you can use this show as a jumping off point to do your own due diligence and your own research so that you can make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. That being said, I've got the screen cleaned up and uh, got the chat room where I can see it. And again, I apologize for the late start. Uh, just one of those things. And um, I played this uh, on uh, Monday with John and Kathy and John questioned it because I didn't have a mention as to where the study came from. And again, I am going to cover it now uh, and play it one more time because it's so powerful. Uh, this recording is from One America News, and they're talking about a UCLA Stanford study. So that's basically where it came from. And again, this is some powerful information, so let's listen to it. A new study from medical researchers at UCLA and Stanford universities finds the chances of contracting or dying from COVID-19 are much lower than previously thought. One America's Pearson Sharp explains. A new study from medical scientists at UCLA and Stanford University finds the likelihood of contracting the coronavirus is much, much lower than previously thought. The study, published in late June, says the current probability of becoming infected, going to the hospital, or even death from COVID-19 is, quote, an extremely rare event. The study goes on to say that people are vastly overestimating their chances of getting sick and going to the hospital, especially here in the U.S. As part of the study, doctors reviewed public cases of infection in 100 of the largest counties across the nation. They found that an average person in an average county has a 1 in 3,836 chance of getting infected with the coronavirus, and that's without wearing a mask or doing any social distancing. Even the odds of being hospitalized are vanishingly small, even for someone who's in the at-risk category. For an average person between 50 and 64 years old, the chances of getting the virus and needing hospitalization are 1 in 852,000. And for that same person who's at risk, the chances of dying from coronavirus are 1 in in 19.1 million. And those figures were for the last week of May, when deaths from coronavirus were 16 times higher than they were last week. Doctors say they were shocked to find out how low the risk of coronavirus really was. It's worth mentioning that compared to the risk of dying from coronavirus, which again is 1 in 19 million, the risk from dying in a car crash is 1 in 114. These figures come after a revelation from the CDC itself that of all deaths attributed to the coronavirus, just 6% actually died from the virus itself. The other 94% had severe underlying medical conditions. Combined with this latest data, the case for keeping the country locked down falls apart and reveals the risk to the American public appears much lower than so-called experts like Dr. Anthony Fauci had claimed. Pearson Sharp, One American News. Want to see more videos like this? Click on the link below and subscribe to One American News on YouTube and call your cable provider and kindly demand that One American News is added. I was searching out and actually finding the study. Um, 
in the process. Of course, I ran out of time. Boy, this has just been one of these days for timing. <laughs> but anyway, I think I've found the actual study, uh, the inf infection for uh, fatality rate of COVID-19 inferred from seroprevalence data. So anyway, um, I'm going to look through that and see what we can find from it. But um, anyway, it's an interesting situation that uh, the facts and figures are slowly starting to come out that show that the uh, realities here are somewhat different from what we have been fed all along. And i got to bring my levels back up. I had to turn the volumes down a little bit for the um, recording that was playing because it was so high. But anyway... Um, the you know as as the bible says sooner or later the truth is going to come out <laughs> and um, it it is coming out a little at a time and uh, as it uh, is i was looking last night i spent several hours last night going over the lawsuit that has been filed here in ohio um where did it go we got too many things open as usual in the United States District Court, uh, Western Division for the Northern District of Ohio, attorneys Thomas Rents and uh, Robert uh, Gargaz, I think it is, uh, one from Fremont, the other's from Lorraine, uh, filing against the state of Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine and Lance Himes, who is now the acting uh, Ohio Department of Health director, I believe. And uh, they cover all the bases. As I, if you were listening to Roger's show earlier, you heard me say that uh, the Pennsylvania case that we covered yesterday was uh, basically on constitutional grounds. And the judge in that case, who just happened to be appointed by President Trump, whoop -whoo, uh, did a phenomenal job and basically covered the fact that every single thing they'd done for the most part was totally unconstitutional. And here in Ohio, it's a slightly different twist because they not only are attacking it from constitutional standpoints, but they are attacking the science. And they cover the science in here quite effectively. Um, the, uh, the case, uh, the, the actual filing is 56 pages long. So that should tell you something. But they cover, okay, standing venue, of course, at the beginning, facts, timeline. Uh, they go to... Um, what happened to the curve, deaths, the impact of our reaction to COVID-19, uh, testing and cases, manipulation, a psychological approach to state and national public manipulation. And in there, they cover statements made by Amy Acton, the, the, act, uh, the uh, director of Department of Health throughout the majority of this stuff, and the actual statements that she made that alluded to the fact that they're doing this stuff to keep people scared. Because people that are scared will, re will respond the way they want them to versus people who think, oh, you're blowing smoke, I ain't worried about it. You know, typical college kid approach to things like you've seen in Florida and all those places. Um, masks cover quite a bit about masks, and they basically hammer the fact home that studies show that masks don't work. They, they do no good whatsoever in protecting against this uh, thing, and why are they using them? You know, they should have access to the same information that everybody else does. I mean, a simple Internet search will show you all the studies show masks don't work. There are no studies that say they do. And uh, but yet the government is still, you know, in Ohio, we're still under a mask mandate. And I have yet to comply with it. I haven't had a mask on uh, during this whole thing uh, other than, like I said, originally. And this was more uh, at the very outset. I was taking a buddy of mine to the hospital for um, uh, radiation treatment 
And I took him there twice, and I had to go to the bathroom, so I would put a mask on to go in. You know, I'd walk 20 feet from the door to the restroom, take the mask off, do my thing, put the mask back on, come out 20 feet, and, you know, never had the thing on for more than 30 seconds at the most. And uh, if I'd known them when I know now, I would have refused the mask at that point, too. Uh, the fact is, anybody that's requiring you to wear a mask, uh, number one, they could be charged with practicing medicine without a license. A mask is, you know, forcing the wearing of mask or putting a mask on is, in fact, a medical procedure. It's, it's altering the function of your body. It's limiting your, about, your ability to get fresh air, and it's uh, loading you up with carbon dioxide, uh, exhaled waste products. You know, basically, it would, if you don't want to eat your own poop or drink your own pee, why would you wear a face mask and inhale your own exhaled waste? And that's what's going on there. And people don't look at it from that standpoint. But when, uh, you know, when I, if someone asked me, I said, I don't drink my pee, I don't eat my poop, and I don't re-inhale the crap that comes out of my lungs. If you're stupid enough to do it, that's on you. But that's the bottom line. And it, you know, basically forcing you to do that, they're forcing you to screw up your body. I said, as soon, and, you know, I've, I've sincerely considered doing up a one-page um acceptance uh, conditional acceptance that i can use to anybody that says that say here sign this and i'll put a mask on maybe uh, because what you're doing is you're taking full responsibility for any health conditions that develop as a result of me wearing that mask if you're gonna you're gonna force me to do something against my will you're gonna pay the price and that was, that's what more and more people need to do instead of just being the sheep and putting the things on like you know everybody's doing and the thing is, the sheep, you know, are acting like the, you know, the wolf is the bad news or the bad uh, thing, you know, the, but it's actually the shepherd that ends up eating the sheep, <laughs> you know. So uh, when you think the government is there to help you, boy, I'll tell you, you're, you, you just must have just fell off the turnip truck last night. But uh, by all means, do some thinking about this stuff. Do a little research. But they cover masks. How dangerous is COVID-19 really? And they go into the actual numbers. Uh, final summary of the facts. And then they have an update to the facts, which I covered a little bit yesterday. I don't know why this isn't light linking like it should. I guess I have to scroll there. Um, normally you can just tap on it and it'll take me right to it. Uh, let's see here. Where is that page at? Um, I hate when that happens. Okay, must be up here. Update to the facts. After drafting and before filing this complaint, several critical new facts have come to light that are critically relevant. The first comes directly from the CDC. Table 3 shows the types of health conditions and contributing causes mentioned in conjunction with deaths involving coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19. For 6% of the deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. For deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID-19, on average, there were 2.6 additional conditions or causes per death. The number of deaths with each condition or cause is shown for all the deaths and by age groups. This incredible statement substantiates our entire discussion related to the misleading nature of the death counts. It also means that for the total reported COVID-19 deaths, 178,998 as of August 28, 2020, 
only 10,739.88. I don't know where that .88 came from. Uh, Of those deaths did not include conditions or causes other than COVID-19. And again, this is all contingent on the fact or, or, you know, you know, the big caveat here is they still do not have an accurate test to diagnose COVID-19. So none of those numbers are accurate. But even if it was only 10,739.88, like they're saying here, does that justify turning the entire U.S. economy on its head, destroying the lives and livelihoods of millions of people? And, you know, not to mention you know, 10,739 deaths from COVID as opposed to the number of deaths that are related to domestic violence, um, medical treatments that were not uh, obtained because the people were on lockdown, and, of course, the number of suicides. Any one of those numbers far out supersede the 10,739.88 that died from COVID. This is not to say that COVID-19 was not a part of additional deaths, but clearly indicates that it is incredibly unlikely that we have reached 100,000 deaths caused from COVID-19, even at this late date. That is inarguable that the Supreme Court, it is inarguable that the Supreme Court of the United States, the American public, and the citizens of Ohio have been egregiously misled. Number 60. Another document also came to light that is critical in demonstrating the egregiously misleading nature of the public COVID-19 data. On the final paragraph of page 39, and I covered this yesterday, so I'm not going to go into it, but basically it's it's the thing that says they don't even have an accurate uh, isolate or um, sample of the COVID-19 alleged virus, and they are making something up to, as a best guess, to use as a test specimen. How much is good as that? You know, you're locking everything down and you don't even have an actual sample, supposedly. Now, last night on Tucker Carlson, there was a Chinese, uh, I think she was a virologist, but she came from China. Um, She was involved in a bunch of stuff over there that basically she had access to information that, you know, her her allegation is that the virus was produced in the level four bio lab there in Wuhan. And it was purposely released by the Chinese government. Now, whether that's the case or not, don't know. It's just her word on it. But she has uh, quite a bit of credible standing and and also said that this thing was, you know, without a doubt, it was uh, man-made because it had things in it that did not exist normally in nature. Um, Which begs the question, if she saw it and she had was able to look at it and see that this was the case, why is it that the testing people here in this country don't have an accurate sample that they can use as a thing for the testing. But who knows? That's another, you know, it's just crazy. Finally, we allege that this virus has been in Ohio since before the beginning of 2020 and with no actions taken, had nearly no impact over the winter months when it would have been the strongest. This allegation is based on the fact that a case was found in Pike County uh, in, in November, which is just south of where I'm at, uh, November of 2019. While not in evidentiary format at this point, we do have uh, saved screenshots of communications from the Pike County Health Department confirming this. We firmly believe we will be able to substantiate this and uh, several other cases throughout discovery. 
So it's been around longer than they say it has. And basically, it was nothing until the media started blowing out, out, out of proportion, is what they're getting at. We remind the court that under 18 U.S.C. 47, Section 1040, criminal fraud is connect, in connection with major disaster or emergency uh, benefits is defined as, and it gives the definition for criminal fraud, and basically they're alleging the hospitals and places that got paid for all these positive tests and people put on ventilators were involved in criminal fraud and you know violated, you know, committed federal felonies that carry up to 30 years in prison and fines. <laughs> We believe that this section is relevant to many of the medical centers that are promoting this false narrative and profiting from doing so. We further remind the court that an act of fraud is outside the scope of the authority of the various office holders in a number of state agencies. While the plaintiffs do not suppose to be in a position to prosecute such fraud, and the facts seem to suggest that the state of Ohio and many others would have known that this disease is far less dangerous than it has been shown to be, and that it knowingly concealed and covered up relevant data. So basically, they really slam things home, and then they go into some of the law about things. They attack the, uh, you know, one of the state's big uh, um, excuses, I guess you could say, or justifications for um, everything they've done is the Jacobson versus Massachusetts case from 1905, which dealt with one city uh, as opposed to an entire state, and uh, they basically, you know, shoot holes in that theory and basically show that that's a bogus uh, thing to rely on. And, you know, hopefully we'll see that um, this gets a, uh, I'm just hoping we get a decent judge. Another uh, uh, Trump appointee would be very, very nice to have in this case. Uh, hopefully they've been able to do as much judge shopping as they possibly could in order to um, get a favorable uh, and un, you know, uncrooked judge, because uh, unfortunately, anybody who was appointed by Clinton or Obama are not going to look at the facts of this thing. And the only good point would be if they're a Democrat appointee, they might rule right because they're going after a so-called rhino or Republican uh, governor and a red state. But uh, you know, so it may come in our favor. But I would rather have a, a judge that actually looks at the law and the facts and rules appropriately without putting his own personal biases on things, which seem to be what you normally get out of uh, Clinton and Obama appointees. So anyway, that's uh, just real quickly. I wanted to cover the remainder of this stuff. I've highlighted I've pages and pages and pages of stuff. Uh, the impacts on children. Uh, economic impact on families is likely to result in multi, uh, malnutrition for children and families that uh, are food secure. Many other children will be at risk for obesity as they are isolated and given fewer options for activity. So on one hand, you got kids that are going to you know, starve to death or be malnourished, and then you got other kids that are going to fatten up because they're sitting home doing nothing. So, and yeah, that's, that's entirely possible. I mean, these guys really covered all the bases. One study estimated that if actions continue, uh, there could be an additional 1.2 million child deaths and 56,700 maternal deaths around the world. Um, the one thing I didn't see in here, and I would have liked to have seen, would be the effect of, uh, well, there are two things. The inability to obtain medical care, which, you know, 
in this show I don't really care that much about because people shouldn't be going to MDs for anything other than surgery when it's absolutely necessary. But the fact that the vast majority of the generally dumb public go to MDs for everything from a hangnail to cancer, um, they're, they're basically stuck. The one thing they know about, they can't get to because the hospitals are closed, basically. And as a result, you have people that, you know, die because they can't get some kind of treatment or, you know, you have people that die because of suicide, because they're so depressed that, uh, there's no getting around things. Um, and I didn't see anything in here to deal with either of those, which um, I would have liked to have seen, but I don't know if they could, they've got to be able to tie it in. And I would say that's, you know, because of all the misappropriation and the uh, uh, misleading stuff, I would say that that's, um, would be an accurate thing to include in here. But those are the only two things that I really uh, am not seeing covered. And it could be that I just haven't come across them yet, because like I said, I haven't read the whole thing from beginning to end. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, going to be interesting. And they're looking for damages for the plaintiffs in the amount of $75,000 each or an amount determined to be appropriate by a jury pursuant to 42 U.S. Code 1983. Um, and let's see here. And they're asking for a jury trial, which is good. Um <laughs> Plaintiffs also make a unique request that this uh, case be tried by a jury in a traditional courtroom setting, as it is clear that isolating jury members in COVID-19 or COVID chambers will bias the jury in the case. We further ask that the courtroom uh, and trial be conducted in normal conditions so as not to bias the rights of the plaintiffs. This case is a critical constitutional case of first impression, and if ever... If ever there were demonstration of the fact that the Constitution must be honored at all times, especially in times of crisis, that time is now. We welcome the opportunity to brief the court on the issue should it be necessary. And it claims the play, uh, there's uh, several plaintiffs here. Uh, we have Kristen Beckman, Eric Calder Calderaro, Tara Calderaro, uh, Jessica France, Renee Hedges, uh, Kirsten Hill, Lisa Knapp, and Michael Renz. Um, so it uh, should be interesting. But anyway, I just wanted to cover that a little bit more and uh, see where we go from there. I also want to take another look. John Rappaport's got another entry in his blog about overturning COVID restrictions in states of emergency. And that's his blog for today. I've been covering the decision in Pennsylvania COVID case and the court filing in Ohio. They give us the templates for potential victories in other states and countries. Yeah, definitely. In Pennsylvania ruling, federal judge ruled, um, just ruled, that Governor Wolf's COVID-19 containment measures are unconstitutional. The judge went further. No emergency cancels the Constitution. There is a line that cannot be crossed. The right to assemble, the right to freedom of movement, uh, to earn a living, they cannot be wiped off the board by lockdowns for any reason. This is indeed a heroic ruling. It affirms the unmistakable rays of light emanating from the basis of the American uh, public, republic. Excuse me. Uh, in Tom Rentz's gigantic Ohio filing against Governor Mike DeWine, both the Constitution and issues of fact and science are asserted. Facts meaning something. <laughs> facts mean something. A declaration of emergency must undergo scrutiny to determine whether a clear and present danger justifies the declaration. 
Otherwise, the government can destroy the Constitution, the rule of law, and human rights by falsely claiming danger when there is none. We would be back in time of royal edict uh, with the king's army as the rationale. Uh, attorney press release posted and uh, documents are filed here again. So that's uh, if you go to uh, nomorefakenews.com and look at his blog, uh, today's edition, you'll have that information available to you. In 2020, lunatic cultural proclivities, media propaganda, political jockeying, uh, pretensions in, of science, scare tactics, rigging of facts, and profit motives are in the mix. The pro, the pro, uh, they produce amnesia about basic principles. That's for sure. People just, you know, when they're scared, they forget all about their God-given rights, which is a shame. You know, some of us, like myself, when that kind of stuff comes down, the first thing that comes to mind, hey, what are you doing to my rights? <laughs> and that's what should go through every American's minds. But because they've been dumbed down by the public fool system, years of drinking uh, fluoridated water and all the rest, that stuff doesn't seem to happen. Ah, Unplugged is in the uh, uh, chat room today, and I apologize. I had my what I'm reading kind of covered things up again. Uh, after Trucker's uh, guest... After Oh, Tucker's guest, uh, yeah, Dr. Siegel came on and scared everybody, saying now this virus behaves differently than any other virus. Yeah, I listened. I saw that last night. Uh, he's talking about Tucker Carlson last night. Uh, he actually had the, uh, the uh, uh, woman from China uh, talking about what was going on, and they had Dr. Mark Siegel, contributing physician for Fox News. And I am, you know, occasionally he says something worthwhile, but normally... Um, not so much. I'm not impressed by the guy at all, and uh, he definitely did his best to kind of re-scare people after uh, the guest last night. And it's sad that you have people do that, especially like on, on a so-called uh, fair and balanced Fox News. You know, they're getting less fair and less balanced all the time. You really got to pick and choose uh, what you see on there. And it's, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I love Tucker. I love, uh, you know, the way he does things. I just wish he would, when he steps up to the edge, he would uh, step across it and get the whole truth out. I would love to see him asking the big questions about masks. And I, I got to think that people are sending them information, you know, about the face mask and that kind of stuff and all the other stuff that is just totally unconstitutional. And for whatever reason, they're not covering those things. The other thing I would love to see him or someone address is Kamala Harris and the, her total lack of uh, qualifications to be uh, vice president and or president uh, because she's not a natural born citizen. And nobody is covering that anywhere on any media that I have seen, which just is sickening. You know, that's a key factor. And again, I think what it's going to come down to is people in each state need to challenge the ballot. Um, they have to file suits saying that, hey, this ballot is not appropriate. This person is not qualified. You know, if you want to run uh, Sleepy Joe, go ahead. But he's running on his own because she can't run as vice presidential, presidential running mate. But, you know, whether that's going to happen, I don't know. Um, who knows? We'll have to see about what's going on with that. Anyway, um, back to uh, John's blog. Um the law, when correctly applied, refreshes memory and sweeps away blizzards of uh, claims of, and counterclaims. The law comes to the point. Using the law, you can say, governor, say to governors and their public health advisors, you have been going on for months now about the COVID-19 spread and the emergency and the containment measures, 
but we want to reduce this to basics. Do you have the constitutional right to strip, you know, they don't have any constitutional rights as government authority, you know. You know, rights are secured to the individuals by the Constitution. They're given by God. God doesn't give rights to governments. Government gets authority from the Constitution, from we the people. They have no authority to strip away our freedoms. They have only the authorities that we grant to them. Why on earth would we grant to them the ability to take away our rights? We didn't, and they don't have it. And is there a factual reason to believe that a state of emergency is necessary? So we're going to court. Yeah. Or putting it another way, sir, you're holding a gun to my head while you're explaining at length why I can't move. But you see, nothing has happened in court yet. Meet my lawyer. <laughs> Are you going to shoot us both? Is that where you really want to go? <laughs> in Ohio, attorney Tom Rents, on behalf of his clients and against the governor, is asking for a jury trial. He wants citizens to hear the complex arguments about COVID science. He wants citizens and uh, to understand the con and the game that is being played in great detail. This is imperative. Rents believes that the people deserve to know that they have a ca are capable of understanding. From my nearly 40 years of working as a reporter, experience tells me Attorney Rents is correct. When the truth is laid out step by step, the people come to their senses. They cut through their own malaise. They cut through propaganda or media indoctrination. If they, uh, and as if they once uh, took a voyage to an island called Logic, they suddenly remember that voyage. <laughs> After all the COVID-19 lockdowns and the economic destruction are being visited on the population at large. So let a dozen of their members, our members, hear the case and adjudicate it. I'm not naive about courts and judges and lawyers and juries, but I do know that among the denizens of the system, there are keen minds and persons of goodwill. Persons who know that the law, as long as, uh, as it once enshrined by, our, by the founders, is a beacon and a breakthrough. It is a culmination after centuries of struggle, which places freedom at the head of the table. Freedom, not edicts, not lockdowns. What is COVID-19 COVID science? Has the virus actually been defined? Have case and death numbers been drastically inflated? Is there a pandemic? Why is a diagnostic test that has, no, has so many holes that has uh, never been properly validated being deployed? How many obfuscations has the CDC planted to hide official secrets? Let's go to court and turn on the lights and explore the rabbit hole. That's a good one. So anyway, um, that's one of the things I wanted to cover there. Let's see here. Uh, can you explain why a president can't use the 14th Amendment to stop insurrection? Apparently it was ratified. and It was not ratified. It was not properly ratified, um, and I suggest you go back and listen to last Thursday's show again. Uh, Mike Gaddy explained it quite well. Uh, the ratification of the 14th Amendment did not include the states of the South. They were basically kicked out of Congress at that time. They were not allowed a voice, and as, as such did not get equal suffrage. And as you know, because of that, it was not properly ratified. That's, that's the start of the things. And it goes on from there. Um, but rather than go over the whole thing, because I'm not uh, an expert, and that's why I asked Mike to comment on it, uh, when I think he did a pretty good job, 
also last Monday's show, uh, uh, excuse me, Roger's show last Monday. They covered that quite a bit on that show as well. Uh, so you can you can get that replay from the CastBox. Uh, just go to castbox.fm and type in Radio Ranch, and you should find Roger's show there from last Monday. And um, they covered quite a bit of it. But the primary thing, number one, is the 14th Amendment wasn't properly ratified. And, um, you know, just, let's see here. I heard it is being used in federal courts. Well, of course it is. You know, the 16th Amendment's being used in federal courts, and it wasn't properly ratified either. The 17th Amendment, which did away with uh, the states appointing senators, that was not properly ratified, and it's being used. Um, that's all part of the the fraud. You know, the people that uh, did the uh, improper ratifications, you know, they basically, the, the Secretary of State, uh, in each case, uh, the U.S. Secretary of State, falsely claimed that each state had ratified when they hadn't. And 16th Amendment is a big one. Uh, I have a copy. It's a two-volume um, two set, heavy, hardbound books, eight and a half by 11, um, called The Law That Never Was by Bill Benson. And he actually went to every single uh, Secretary of State's office that was a state in uh, 1933 when the 16th Amendment was allegedly ratified and got certified copies of the documents. And he proved in that book how the 16th Amendment was never properly ratified because the states would change wording. Um, they did all kinds of stuff, or they would flat-out vote no, and the Secretary of State said that they voted yes. Um, but he's got all the documents reproduced in that book. I've got it in my office here somewhere, <laughs> buried under a bunch of things. But um, it shows without any uh, totally clear that the 16th Amendment was never totally re- properly ratified. And the 14th was the same way, um, you know, not to mention the fact that the, the southern states were not even allowed to participate. Uh, they were supposedly still states, <laughs> they claimed. You know, the North did. They wouldn't let them get away, but they wouldn't let them have a vote either. And that's, uh, you know, for lack of uh, equal suffrage, which is part of the, uh, uh, the Constitution saying that all the states will have equal suffrage in the Senate. So basically, there's a lot of different things that go on there, but the 14th Amendment is a huge fraud, um, and that's the main reason why it can't be used here. Not to mention a lot of other things that Mike goes into uh, far better than I possibly could or even can remember at this point. But yeah, you're right, it is a huge mess. Now, upwards and onwards, uh, I'm going to look at something else here that's rather interesting. The uh, the psychiatrists are starting to weigh in. (laughs) People who refuse to wear a mask amid panic tend to exhibit stronger sociopathic traits, researchers claim. <laughs> or how about they just are better educated? That never appeared, you know. And this is a case where they make the outcome fit what they want it to say, as opposed to aligning with the facts. Since the pandemic gained momentum in March, we have been, uh, we have, have been reports... Oh, there have been reports of people flouting face mask policies and even protesting against them in front of state buildings. Yeah, I was one of them people (laughs) several times. Most critics thought nothing more of this behavior than childish tantrums, but recent research suggests that it might be a bit more complicated than that. And by the way, this is uh, a uh, story by Davina Ramirez uh, from Tuesday, September 15th. 
in a major breakthrough, Brazilian researchers, Brazilian researchers found that mask refusal is tied to sociopathic traits, including antisocial behavior. Moreover, these individuals are also more likely to trivialize masks posed by COVID-19 or risk posed by COVID-19, disregard personal hygiene, and flout social distancing. Editor's note, the entire study may be nothing more than pro-mask propaganda, but we are publishing this to keep you informed of what the science community, in air quotes, is claiming. This is the same kind of research that often claims people who believe in conspiracy theories are dangerous lunatics. Never forget that so-called science also claim that climate is racist and the, arbit- and the binary genders are colonization, whatever that means. <laughs> Back to the article. Sociopathic traits linked to mask refusal. Researchers from the State University of Londrina, UEL, in Brazil... Uh, ask some 1,600 participants to fill out questionnaires designed to ask uh, to assess empathy and expose possible personality disorders. The group also asked them about their attitudes regarding COVID-19 public health policies and guidelines like the use of face masks and socialist distancing. The researchers then divided the participants into groups based on their uh, responses, the empathy group and the antisocial group. <laughs> oh, good grief. <laughs> Again, they're making their own little groups. You know, they're putting uh, all little square pegs and round holes and that kind of stuff. The former, which was comprised of about 1,200 people, had exhibited an interest in, un- in understanding the feelings and needs of others. Oh, aren't they sweet? This group was also more inclined to follow COVID-19 public health guidelines. I would call this the sheeple group or the Kool-Aid swallowers. Meanwhile, participants in the antisocial group, or I would call the educated group, comprised some 400 participants, yeah, a minority, uh, you know, roughly 125% of the crowd, were seen to demonstrate the most exact opposite. In particular, people in this group scored higher than those in the other group in questions that measured for callousness, deceitfulness, hostility, impulsivity, irresponsibility, manipulativeness, and risk-taking. They also had a harder time adhering to preventative measures. (laughs) Maybe they actually knew something the other idiots didn't know, that this is all a big hoax. These traits are typical of antisocial personality disorder, or ASPD, sometimes called sociopathy. ASPD describes a long-standing pattern of, of behavior marked by the consistent disregard for the feelings of others. Extreme versions of this uh, condition could be characterized by an ongoing pattern of manipulating others and even violating their rights. Sociopathy differs from psychopathy. Another personality disorder in terms of the ability to uh, feel remorse. Psychopaths have little to no conscience at all. In contrast, uh, sociopaths still have a limited ability to feel empathy and remorse, but this varies depending on environmental factors such as childhood trauma. Oh yeah, we got to get the drunk dad and the abusive mom in there. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. 
Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, Unplug says, that sounds like me. Wait, that's the other me. <laughs> Which one, the 1200 or the 400? I'm assuming the 400. Anyway, in fact, the general consensus among experts is that uh, psychopaths tend to be born, implying that being or becoming one depends largely on genetic predisposition. On the other hand, sociopaths are made, so to speak, by their environment. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with nutritional deficiencies, which these morons have no clue about. Commenting on their results, the researchers said that exposing oneself and others to needless and preventable risk is a typical trait of those that have antisocial tendencies, but lead researchers Fabiano Miguel uh, said that there needs to be some caution in approaching their research findings. Yeah, you think? Maybe, number one, you idiots have uh, swallowed the Kool-Aid too and actually didn't do any research into the actual so-called pandemic to find out if it was real or if it was yet another scam, fraud, pandemic, whatever you want to use. Maybe... The people that are in your 400, uh, you know, minority of sociopaths are actually people that have actually done the research to realize that all this crap is nothing but BS, which is why there are now lawsuits being filed about all this stuff in your states. And from what I understand, there are people being hung on courthouse steps in other countries because of these lockdowns. But maybe you forgot about that. Although it's possible that someone refusing to use face masks is a sociopath, it's, like, it's highly likely that there are also other factors involved in making that decision, said Miguel. Some people might also have sensitive health conditions or disabilities that make the prolonged use of a face mask difficult. You think? Two earlier studies from Poland had similar findings after quizzing a total of 1,000 participants. In particular, the researchers uh, behind those studies found that people with narcissistic traits were also predisposed to disregard COVID-19 restrictions and mask wearing and hand washing. <sighs> but the group that had a different take on their assessment, but the group had a different take on their assessment. Instead of pointing out pointing their fingers at mental disorders, the researchers suggested those with narcissistic traits could also be doubtful of the merits of COVID-19 public health policies. Whoa, wait a minute. In other words, they did a little research and realized that they were being scammed. Taken together, recent studies like these offer valuable insight into human behavior that could better guide the creation of future public health policies in light of ongoing pandemics. <laughs> oh, boy. Related, if you don't believe the official narrative on COVID-19, then you have a mental illness claim scientist. I'm not even going to go to that one. <laughs> yeah, like uh, unplugs that complete BS. Deliberate disregard for pandemic public health policies linked to meanness. Lack of restraint, say researchers. <sighs> Good heavens. Miguel and his colleagues aren't the first to look into possible exploration or explanations for some of people's disregard for public health policies amid the pandemic. Just last June, clinical specialist Pavel Blagov assessed 502 participants via an online questionnaire regarding their compliance with public, or recent public health guidelines. 
Blagov also asked personality-related questions in an attempt to determine each participant's placement on scales that measured uh, conscientiousness, cooperativeness, neuroticism, meanness, lack of restraint, and risk propensity, or the tendency to take risks. These last four traits are common psychopathic traits, said Blagov. Psychopathy is a mental disorder marked by amoral and antisocial behavior. As diagnosed psychopathic, um, a diagnosed psychopathic individual is one that finds a difficult to express love or to establish meaningful personal relationships. He or she might also have little or no conscience at all. The report indicated that people who scored higher on those four traits are less inclined to observe public health guidelines, according to Blogov. And uh, the said traits are linked to health risk behavior and health problems. I expected uh, them to be implicated in health behaviors during the pandemic, he added. Furthermore, those that reported disregarding policies appeared to, be, er, to respond to the questions in a manner that seemed to suggest they did so intentionally. For instance, some of the participants that had high scores on meanness and lack of restraint said that they also neither practiced social distancing nor personal hygiene. In all, his findings suggest a disregard for the pandemic uh, public health policies and so uh, psychopathic uh, traits are correlated. That being said, Blogov also reported that most of the participants said they adhered to coronavirus health guidelines. <laughs> From a public health perspective, these findings are concerning, he added. Moreover, the report introduces a possible implication that there are groups of people out there that fail to protect themselves and others amid the pandemic due to their personalities. This, in turn, could have a disproportionate impact on the pandemic, added Blagov. His findings are soon to be published online in the journal Social Psychology and Personality Science. So, again, this is this shows a a key thing that people just totally dismiss, and that is the fact that it's accepted at this point that we have a real pandemic, that COVID nineteen is really a nasty killer bug, or whatever and that the so-called medical experts know what the heck they're talking about. Why is it that all these people just assume that that's the case? Could it be that the vast majority of the generally dumb public, including these idiots in uh, academia, are sheeple? That they have swallowed the Kool-Aid because they have been programmed to accept whatever the people on top say? Just do whatever the government says because they're the experts. And anybody who thinks for themselves, questions authority, does research before flying off half-cocked in, in an unknown direction, they are labeled as people with mental health issues. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that's the whole problem. And that's one of the things that you run into, and in many cases, you know, courts especially. You know, the, the, uh, going back to the um, Jacobson versus Massachusetts um, uh, issue from, you know, the, the 
smallpox vaccine case back in 1905. The court just accepted as actual factual science that a vaccine was functional, that it was doing its job, that it was efficacious and safe when there was tons of documentation up to that point showing just the opposite. But these courts make these assumptions based on the so-called public norms that are wrong. And then their rulings and their opinions are tainted as a result. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Sarge, I urge you to watch Corona Afrodis Casademic Parasitico by Max Egan. Uh, the crowhouse.com at bit bit shoot. I think I've seen part of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. I'm going to have to go back and watch some more of it, I guess. Um, but thank you. I appreciate the, the reminder, but yeah, that's the thing. That's one of the big problems in these cases when, um, those in power, especially courts who are supposed to be impartial triers of fact, just automatically assume a uh, a position based on improper uh, information. You know, they just believe that that science is settled on vaccines when it's not. If anything, it's settled in, it's settled in the opposite direction. There is far more evidence to show that vaccines are fully dangerous than safe. And for some reason, courts, and of course the medical community who are you know, pulling the wool over the court's eyes are the ones involved here. And that's the problem. You've got the so-called medical community because they are in an area where most people dare not uh, uh, go when it comes to even trying to discuss things because the, the MD, the almighty medical deity, always puts himself up on the pedestal to make them sound uh, so much more intelligent and knowledgeable than the average person. They do so by using big words, you know, Latin and stuff like that. And uh, it, it automatic word genetic, you know, as soon as they say it's genetic, oh my goodness, everybody just, you know, drops to their knees and genuflex because they, they just know that this, this person before them in the white coat with a stethoscope around their neck is so much vastly superior in knowledge and, uh, and everything to, you know, they're just a mere mortal being able to be in the presence of this medical deity. Bull crap, <laughs> or as my uh, my friendly preacher used to say, hogwash. <laughs> uh, what do you call the? Again, you have to go back and say, what do you call the guy that uh, you know graduated last in his uh, medical school class? Doctor, and I've known a few of those people. I would venture to say that uh, Anthony Fauci is probably along those lines. It's like uh, Joe, um, what's his chops? Joe Biden, you know, was like eighty uh, fifth out of eighty seven or something in his law school class, (laughs) but he was still a lawyer and why he ended up in Congress because he couldn't make his money as a lawyer, probably, uh, which is not uncommon. But, you know, that's the thing. People just automatically buy into this crap and believe one side of an issue without doing any research to find out whether or not it's accurate. And that's going to be the uphill battle in this uh, lawsuit that uh, here's filed in Ohio. And, um, And this is where it made the case much easier in Pennsylvania because the judge was only ruling on constitutional issues, which he is a little bit more familiar with. 
But here in, in Ohio, the judge is not only going to have to rule on constitutional issues, but he's also going to have to start looking into the science, which is not his, his wheelhouse. And hopefully he and the jury will be able to understand what's being said. Hopefully it will be presented in as clear and concise language as possible so that uh, uh, the individuals will be able to understand what's being said and see that the wool has been pulled over their eyes. And that this thing from the whole beginning has been just one major fraud after another. And that we don't have a mental disorder. Other than the fact that, you know, if you, if you want to call it, you can call it intelligence. The ability to do some actual research and study and come to an informed decision rather than just believing the crap that's put before you uh, blindly without any uh, cognitive effort whatsoever. So that's what we've got to uh, be dealing with here. And when, when someone says, oh, you, you won't wear a mask, you're a sociopath. No, I'm an educated apath. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing. The first thing I do is ask him, I said, how much time have you spent studying this? I mean, not in front of the TV listening to the talking head BS artists. How much time have you actually done research into this stuff? Well, I've been doing it every day since it started for hours. And what I do is backed up by all the science that I have uncovered. What you do is backed up by what the talking heads on the 6 o'clock news told you. I'll go with science that's been proven anytime, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and twice on Sunday. So anyway, that's basically kind of where I'm at today. Hopefully this has uh, been somewhat interesting. There's a lot more stuff out there. Hail Satan after terrorizing churches, BLM witchcraft exposed. <laughs> oh, boy. Fire in Oregon is now being investigated as possible arson. We're going to pursue it as a criminal investigation. Thank goodness. I think that the vast majority of these uh, fires in California were set by, you know, probably BLMers, Antifas, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, of course, they're blaming it on climate change, which is absolute BS. No such thing as anthropomorphic or man-made climate change, period. And, uh you know, it is what it is. I, I appreciate everybody being here a bit uh, um, unplugged. Appreciate you being there in the uh, chat room. And I like your statement, sociopaths unite. Well, I think we're united here on uh, this network, <laughs> you know, because I would venture to say that the vast majority of us listening and talking about this stuff is pretty much uh, what was described in that article, um, with the exception of, you know, personal hygiene. I wash my hands. I take a shower all the time, all that kind of stuff. But I don't fly off the you know, handle half-cocked and do goofy things that um, there's no worldly uh, explanation for, especially using hand alcohol-based hand sanitizers. That just shows the stupidity of the medical community. And I appreciate the kudos unplugged. Uh, thank you so much. At least one person thought it was a great show. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed it. I think there's a lot of good information. I encourage people to get... Uh, get a case a copy of that uh, ohio case and download it and like i said go to nomorefakenews.com john rapaport's blog and he's got the links in there where you can download both the uh, uh the the uh, press releases and the actual case filing there's a lot of great information in there the attorneys did a super job so with that said i encourage everybody take care well take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live and we will be back tomorrow uh, Mike Gaddy will be with us, and who knows what we'll be talking about there. Hopefully this lawsuit, and we'll see what else goes on. 
But uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one and God bless.